Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 257th edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. We win! 54 to 53, North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Fred Brown looking, throw away to Worthy! Worthy five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court, Carolina with foul, he takes the timeout, they're out of timeout! Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan, they're out of timeout! party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champion. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national champion. Love guarded by Keels, gets a screen, pulls up for three. Got it! Caleb from straight away! This is the Four Corners Podcast. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. And man, it feels good to be back with you guys. Josh and Anthony, we're here with you. Uh, going to go through the 2023-2024 ACC schedule that the Tar Heels uh, received last night um, from the league office. So we're going to go through that with a month-by-month breakdown and give some of our biggest thoughts and takeaways um, from the schedule. But before we do that, we normally start with the pod thought of the day, and we're going to get to that in just a second. Mm. But after the the football podcast that we recorded last night, there's got to be something brought to the table, a question that has to be asked. And if you guys tuned in with us live, you saw that, uh, that Anthony was wearing uh, a tank top, um, like he was on the beach in like 1965, and it got great reviews. Um, and a lot of people were impressed by said tank top. We're not on video tonight, but are you still wearing the same tank top that you sported last night? Uh, I am not. I have uh, decided to lay that one off to the side. That was a one-night specialty, mainly for the ladies. And uh, the reviews are in, and they are stunned at uh, what they saw. Um you know, some people were very appreciative of the tattoo that I have. Uh, others were shocked by just how white I actually am. So, um, no, that was a wardrobe choice that we broke down on the podcast last night. Uh, I was getting I, – I just ha- had a new TV that I got uh, – what was it? Probably about a week and a half ago. I uh, got a chance to set it up last weekend, and I was installing a new television service on there. So I had somebody from the customer service department that was walking me through that. I had already set the time of the podcast at 930, and so I didn't want to go back on that. 
for the listeners. So I just and 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 viewers. Uh, so I decided uh, last second to just go with what I had on originally. Um, I had not been thinking earlier in the night uh, that I yeah when I changed out of the clothes that I normally wear to work uh, that I would that 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 probably wasn't the smartest thing to wear on camera and there we are um i have now been challenged to wear a cutoff shirt or tank top into my normal job which if people do not know um which is, you you should by now because we are a part of the sports radio a 92.7 wfnz family now on their podcast side of things uh we work in radio, so not like we are businessmen. We can actually pull this off. So I'm going to wear uh, – I, I believe I will probably go to this on Friday. I am going to wear my cutoff shirt, uh, my Tario one, uh, and possibly the shortest pair of shorts that I have just to make you guys uh, wrong because I don't think a lot of people thought I would actually do this. I'm going to look like a complete ass. But uh, that's not much different than most of the days that I'm in there. So it's it's okay. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to argue or deny that statement. But uh, I felt like we would be doing uh, the faithful wrong if we didn't bring up the tank top um, after all the attention it got last night. Now let's transition. See, what you don't know is the next edition I'm going to literally just do shirtless. So it's, I mean, it's a progression. Look, that's fine with me. Um, I sometimes record these uh, in my underwear or even less. So shirtless isn't, okay. really, All right. isn't anything well. that I'm uncomfortable doing. Now let's get into business. Um, because the season, it's not here, but it is here. Carolina opened practice on Monday. Their first of 42 practices before they walk on the court for the first time in a game that matters in 2023-2024. Let's dive into the pod thought of the day. The last the last time we recorded, the pod thought came from Henry Ford. Today, today's pod thought comes from Gerald Ford, and his uh, quote wow. is, there is no substitute for hard work. There will be disappointments, but the harder the work, the luckier you will get. Never be satisfied with less than your very best effort. If you strive for the top and miss, you'll still beat the pack. Um, and I, I'm going to really use that quote and tie in with really the only takeaway you get from the first day of practice. Um, and if, if any of y'all, if any of y'all haven't checked out Adam Lucas's article about the start to the season, I do encourage you guys go to GoHeels.com and check it out. Um, because I think what you're gonna what you're gonna see in that article that he detailed, and I think we're gonna see it all season long. I think we got a different Huber Davis on our hands. There was a two on none uh, fast break that uh, Carolina w- uh, got found themselves in, and instead of just going for the routine type of play, they went for the flashy, the sexy, if you will, off the backboard dunk. And look, when that happens. Fans like you and me, we're gonna we're gonna celebrate that. Not not Carolina's head coach. He stopped the practice um, and told them that's that's not how we're going to practice because that type of practice doesn't get to. And he pointed to national championship banners 
ACC championship banners, and then the retired numbers uh, that hang in the the rafters at the Smith Center. And he picked up his phone and said, we don't practice for that, uh, meaning the social media. And we know our head coach, uh, he's all about blocking out the noise. He's all about, you know, no sideshow distractions. Um, and there's no denying this team, this program, was caught up in them from the word go last year. The minute that um, they released the cover from the 1981-1982 preseason, which was the year Carolina would go on to win the national championship, it just seemed like the focus was never on the most important thing, which was winning as many basketball games as possible en route to a national championship. Um, That didn't happen. Carolina won 20 games, not good enough. Missed a tournament, completely uh, unacceptable. Um, and from the moment that Hubert Davis opted to skip the NIT, it was the right decision to get the program where it needs to be, which is back among the nation's elite, overhauling the roster um, and getting the right guys in the transfer portal to get this program uh, back in a position to compete ACC-wise and nationally. And so I think you're going to see a head coach that is harder on his kids than we've seen the first two years. I think you're going to see a head coach that is going to be maybe more brutally honest um, with with his team in the media. This has been a coach that has really defended his guys at times when it was okay for him to go in there and and light a fire under them publicly and call them out. Um, I, I think we're going to see all year long that the head coach is working hard and he's got the right group of guys that are going to work hard with him in practice. And frankly, that, 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 that needs to be the tone um, because we've already, we've already gone over Carolina's non-conference schedule and you'd be hard pressed to find a tougher non-conference schedule that a Power 5 school was playing um, because Carolina's got the defending national champions on there. And UConn, they host Tennessee. That was the second weekend of the tournament type of team a year ago. You're in the battle for Atlanta, set is always loaded. Um, you got a neutral site game with Oklahoma, who could be poised for a big year as, as Porter Mosier enters his third year uh, in Norman with that program. And then you've got the ACC schedule. Um, which is, as as we know every year, it's tough. Whether the ACC is the best conference in the country this year, we don't know. That remains to be seen, but uh, it's still a schedule that is going to test Carolina from the word go. So what I want to do is go through um, this schedule month by month. And with the league moving to 20 conference games and in recent years, Carolina has only has played sometimes two, maybe even three conference games before the turn of the calendar. This year, they've only got one. They host Florida State uh, the the uh, on December second to open up the ACC season, and that is the only ACC game that they will play in the month. In large part because they've still got to play, you know, Kentucky that month. They still got to play Oklahoma that month. I believe UConn is also a game that falls in December as well. So I feel like uh, just from the standpoint of Carolina only having one league game with all the non-conference powerhouses that they faced, the league office maybe did Carolina a slight favor having them host a team that is looking to bounce back after a disappointing year a season ago. And the thing is, if you look at still you know, some of the different 
you know, metrics that they use to measure the difficulty of schedules. Carolina still has the most difficult schedule by and large of any of the ACC teams in conference play. Um, so they, I, I mean, it's, it's still not going to be easy for Carolina, but you're right. I feel like, you know, when you look at it, this, this stacks up pretty well for them. Um, yeah, I, I think drawing Florida State in that December game, you know, we were a little bit worried that that could be a team like Virginia, um, you know, maybe even a team like, and I, I don't know if they would do this because of the rivalry aspect, but you know, you never know. Uh, in the modern era of college athletics, uh, they don't really seem to care about rivalries as much. But I wouldn't have been shocked if you could have seen NC State there, Miami. Uh, Florida State's a team that uh, it's going to be tough to figure out where exactly they're at because talent-wise, they're always a team that you feel like is in a really good spot to compete in the ACC. Um, we've, you know, Leonard Hamilton is pretty much that entire program. He has been an outstanding coach for a very long time. But the last couple of years, uh, things just haven't been the same there. So I, I think for Carolina, that's a pretty good draw. You get them at home, too. So I, I think that's that's a good way if, if you're going to have to play that conference game. We knew that. We knew when Carolina had, although we thought it would probably be after the game against Connecticut, they still have that 11-day layoff. This one is sandwiched in between that game in the ACC-SEC Challenge against Tennessee and the game against UConn. Um, so I, I, that that is interesting placing of that game, but I still feel like that's you know a, a pretty good spot. I will say this. You know, there's a couple of different spots on the schedule um, that I think are – relatively difficult but I think there are some areas that are that 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 allow Carolina to uh, get their footing again if they do slip up at some point it's never really felt like that over the past few years it's always felt like no matter what there's a steady flow to the season that's relatively difficult and then at the end of the year they really ramp it up I mean look Carolina in the final month of the season, they do play Virginia and they do play Duke. But I feel like, you know, just looking at it, it is more manageable than it has been in years past. And uh, I think, you know, the hope for Carolina is that this will allow them to not only, you know, make it into the NCAA tournament because of the schedule being a little bit easier on the back end than in years past, but to compete for an ACC title. And you move to January, um, and that's a month that is just jam-packed um, with games. Carolina plays one, two, three, four, five. They play nine games in the month of January, and they start out with three straight road games at Pittsburgh, at Clemson, and then they have NC State. Um, kind of like how you see Duke with the with the February, March. You typically see state with a January, February this year. It's a January and March uh, for for those two meetings. But remember, Carolina mm-hmm. lost at NC State um, a year ago. It was a game that really kind of pro- really signified that Carolina probably wasn't going to the NCAA tournament, um, and it was a win that that further propelled the Wolfpack um, into March Madness. Um, those those three straight ACC road games are the first time that's happened in a non-COVID year since 2016, but all against favorable opponents. Uh, a game at Pittsburgh, a game at Clemson, with, with, with just on the surface will feel um, very winnable for Carolina. 
And then, you know, with the NC State game, historically Carolina played very well there. Um, but we'll be looking to to get their first we'll be looking to win in that building after losing there a year ago. Then they come back home for two games uh, in Chapel Hill. They'll host Syracuse and they'll host Louisville, a Syracuse program that I still don't think many I mean, those of us that follow college basketball know that Jim Beheim is no longer there. But for a lot of people, you know, when they're just probably getting into the college basketball season in January, they might be surprised to not see the old curmudgeon on the bench picking his nose and complaining at officials. There is a new era with that program, albeit they're still going to play um, that 2-3 zone that he made famous. Louisville, <laughs> we all know how bad the Cardinals were um, a year ago, but that's a proud program, um, and it's a program that, did a lot of work in the transfer portal this year, a lot of work on the recruiting trail, and they will be poised for a bounce-back season. The last four games of the month will include a trip to Boston College, and we'll talk about that game because that is a game that will be featured on the CW Network. Um, the CW, hey. as we all know, is they've got rights to ACC football and basketball, um, and that is the lone uh, CW game that the Tar Heels are scheduled to play um this year and it feels like a game with it being at boston college on the cw it's going to be weird um and we all know that even though boston college historically not a great program uh conti forum isn't always the easiest place to go on the road and get an acc victory they host wake forest before road games to end the month at florida state and at georgia tech and you know, the thing that I look at in the month of January um, is that Carolina plays nine times and, and six of the nine are away from Chapel Hill. Um, and, and this is going to be something that I think will, with the non-conference schedule that Carolina uh, has played, will we'll have played, will have them ready to go on the road in some of those hostile environments and try to get wins. But it'll also really be a great uh, proving point to see if this team will be legitimate ACC contenders in 2023-2024. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 really tough. I mean, as you said, overall throughout the month, you play six road games. But I think you're going to learn a lot about where exactly the team is at in those first three. If they can weather that storm, especially if they can go – I mean, even two and one, you feel pretty good. Um, you know, it's, if they go three and zero, oh, I, I think you're you're pounding your chest. You're saying to yourselves, this team is one of, if not the favorite, to win uh, the ACC regular season title. Because, look, I know they're not extremely difficult opponents. Pittsburgh's a team that has given you fits the last couple of years. Clemson is a team that's gotten a lot better. Over the last few years, they're still going to have P.J. Hall. They bring in uh, Joe Girard out of the transfer portal. Um, they're, they're going to be a legitimate uh, you know, contender, I think, to make the NCAA tournament again this year. And then NC State. Um, I, I know, you know some people may look at them last year and wonder if they were really just a one-year wonder and if they start to shrink back to what they've been for their majority of the time under – uh, Kevin Keats, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I think they are going to be a team that is going to be a factor, um, maybe not you know in that upper echelon of ACC championship contenders, uh, but I do think that they are going to be a team that's going to give a lot of people problems, will make the NCAA tournament, 
So I think if Carolina can sort of weather that storm, I think they'll be in good shape. And here's the thing. Even if for some reason they start out slow in that stretch, um, and I think, you know, look, if they go one and two in that stretch, that's starting out slow. If they go 0 and 3, that is a complete disaster. And then they're – at that point, there will be a lot of concerns, especially depending on how the rest of uh, the the schedule looks before that in terms of the non-conference games. But – then you look at that next stretch. You got Syracuse uh, at home. I, I think Syracuse is poised to be one of the worst teams in the ACC this year. As you said, no Jim Beheim. I know that that program was not great over the last few years. That really felt like that was the one thing that was holding that program together. I think they are going to be absolutely putrid this year. Uh, Louisville, I, I mean, I don't see them bouncing back. Uh, hell, they lost their best player in L. Ellis. And they have Kenny Payne still there as their head coach. They're kind of just rolling with what they had last year. I don't think that's going to be great. One thing that's interesting about that game as well, that is the Toriel's only 9 o'clock tip of the entire season. So a very uh, elderly friendly and, and more, you know, early morning worker friendly schedule for the Toriel's this season. And then you mentioned that little four-game block at the end of the season. And look, they, they have – Three at or at the end of January, end of the season. Uh, they they have four games there, three of them on the road. But I really do think you know you look at Boston College, I mean, I think they're going to be a lot like what they've been in years past. Uh, it's a weird start time for that game too. It's two fifteen, so yeah, that could be a little bit of a weird one. Um, but then you know you turn around, you play Wake Forest at home. I, I mean, I know Wake Forest, they've done such a great job through the transfer portal. It doesn't feel like this year's team is built quite the same as the teams in years past. I think they might be poised to take a step back from where they've been. And then again, you face Florida State, a team that you have familiarity with at that point. Hopefully you will have beaten them. And Georgia Tech, another team that, look, I think they, you know, they, they could surprise some people. I think it's certainly possible. I have them probably in that same area as Boston College. I just really don't think they're going to be high-level contenders. So I think ultimately if they get through that first three-game stretch, two and one, God forbid three and oh, they are they, they are setting themselves up to have a really, really successful month that will set the tone for a much more difficult February and March coming up. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I saw Nada Edwards kind of quote tweet um, the, the the basketball account schedule last night, and he's a he's the producer of the Eye on College Basketball podcast and a, and a friend to the station, and he basically said someone's got to explain to me why Carolina doesn't start fast, and you know, look, I think it's really it's it, it's hard for me to say that Carolina. Should you know when you look at yeah, yeah the Florida State game and then the the real start of conference play season, why six and zero you know isn't it's not out of the question and I don't think it is, but I also as someone that believes that the conference is better than what the national media will say it is, um you know six and zero is really hard it's it's really hard in 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 the ACC to win six six straight games, um. You know, unless you've got a team that, you know, Carolina had back when Kobe White uh, was on campus and, you know, that team went, I think, 16-2 and two in the ACC season that year. Um, it's, it's just a really difficult thing to do. But even so, 
the, the just that entire month. Once you come back from that, the the three straight road games. It's a it's a favorable schedule with Syracuse, Louisville at home. Those should be wins. At Boston College, you should win. You always beat Wake Forest at home, and then Florida State and Georgia Tech. You know we don't know what Florida State's going to look like this year. Aaron Hamilton is the is is a great coach. He'll he'll have them turned around. There's a lot of energy in Atlanta with the Damon Stoudemire hire, but it's his first year on the job. Even if he turns that program around, it's going to take some time. But all that sets up the month of February, um, which is as typical the, the the most the most toughest part of the schedule for Carolina, and it starts right out of the gate hosting Duke um, as the greatest rivalry in all of sports will renew itself the first Saturday of February in Chapel Hill. Um, We've seen the rivalry get moved to two Saturday dates um, really since I think it was either it was the year before the COVID season is when they went to that that kind of scheduling to get the rivalry, of course, on Saturdays, which in the long run, um, does equal better TV numbers, which is the name of the game. As an old school guy, I still prefer the first matchup on a Wednesday, the final matchup on a Saturday. Um, and Carolina, of course, got swept by the Blue Devils a year ago, and it was a big reason why uh, they missed out on the NCAA tournament. And after that, they host Clemson. Um Roughly four days after that game, a, a, a program that, like you said, is poised to make a return to the NCAA tournament. Um, and then they upgraded their roster as well as they could uh, via the transfer portal. Then from there, it's two more road games. It feels like Carolina is going to be on the road every time we turn them on this year at Miami. At Syracuse, at, at Syracuse, a return date with the Orange. Of course, Miami a year ago made the Final Four, but ACC Player of the Year, Isaiah Wong, is no longer there. Doesn't matter. Uh, Jim Laranega, even with a two Final Four appearances to his ledger, still might be the most underrated coach in all of college basketball. And then the final three games of the month, a home date with Virginia Tech, a trip to Charlottesville to see the Cavaliers, and then a return date once again with Miami. You know, as much as we look at January as a month where Carolina can stack wins, uh, February is a month where Carolina plays one, two, three. They play seven times, and I think if Carolina goes four and three, five and two, depending on how you you, you slice it, you're going to feel pretty good about that month because um, it's it's difficult. I mean, the Duke game is Duke. You never really know what to expect. You play Miami twice in about a two and a half week span. And you got to go to Charlottesville, a place you haven't won in a decade. So it's it's going to be a month that uh, I think we're really going to learn if this team is ACC contender or ACC pretender. Yeah, and it's why the month of January is so important. You have to really be able to stack some wins there because, yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, Duke probably the favorite again in the conference this year. A lot of people believe that uh, they have a chance to cut down the nets at the end of the season, as they always seem to do. Um, as we've noticed, though, in the past, hasn't really worked out for them. Uh, Clemson, you know, again, that that's a team I mentioned, you know, when you play them in the month of January, uh, that should still be 
on the bubble, uh, if not a team that could get themselves pretty solidly in the tournament uh, because of, you know, the growth that they have been showing over the past few years. Uh, Miami is is incredibly difficult. And, yeah, you mentioned it. They play them twice uh, within a two-week span. That That is going to be uh, – I, I mean, outside of Duke, I mean, that's probably as tough as it gets because uh, I, I do think Miami, they lose a lot from last year. There's no doubt about that, especially in that backcourt. But as we saw in, during the NCAA tournament, uh, there were guys that were starting to develop back there, uh, making plays that will be a part of that group this year. They had Matthew Cleveland, the transfer from Florida State. Um, so this is this is going to be a very formidable team as well. Um, Syracuse, you're hoping that that's one that you can sort of check off, uh, even though it is a road game there. Uh, that's a team that Carolina has had some pretty good success against. Uh, Virginia Tech, another one of those teams that's lost you know, a pretty good amount. They have really remade their roster in the transfer portal. So hard to really tell what exactly they're going to be. But when you lose a guy like Justin Butts, uh, that's a tough guy to replace, especially with what he did to Carolina a year ago. And then, yeah, at Virginia, I mean, for Carolina, that would be huge if they could finally break through in that game. Um, I think Virginia is a, a, still a really good team, but clearly they're not at the level that they were, um, you know, uh, just a few years ago under Tony Bennett, where they were far and away in some years the best team in the ACC. It's not that hasn't really been the case the last few years, and this year, you know, they are going through the portal. They have pretty much had to rebuild their entire roster uh, after just a ton of guys that departed after last year. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, they've never really been that type of team that has used a ton of transfers, even here uh, early in, in, in the new age of the transfer portal. They've done a lot of their work building, uh, you know, through recruiting. So it'll be interesting to see how some of these new pieces mesh with Tony Bennett and his system that could allow Carolina to potentially have a chance against a team that might not be nearly as good as they've been in the past. So uh, I, I think this is another month that sets up, you know, where I think it's the most difficult early in the month. And then at the end of the month, maybe that's where you can collect some of those wins. But I think it really all just depends on what Virginia and Miami look like. And if they really are the teams uh, that, that could be competing with Carolina and Duke for that ACC title. Yeah, um, you're you're not wrong, and um, you know I, I think it's just going to be something where I, I think I think what February does for for Carolina is it's really gonna it's really gonna solidify them one way or another as a team that's going to be competing to win the conference or a team that even if they're not competing to win the regular season. Maybe they find themselves back in a situation where they they're needing those wins to get back. Um, to the NCAA tournament. Then you look at the last month. The last month's it's not that it's weird, but it's tip. It's not. It's not usual that Carolina plays three games in the month of March. I guess with the way the calendar falls, um, you know, Carolina doesn't go to Duke until March 9th, um, which just feels like a really late season finale. Um, but the two games before that will be, you know, two home games. They get the return game with NC State. 
Then they get the return, or then they get Notre Dame to come to town, uh, which will be senior night. And that'll be the last time that we know for sure we see Armando Baycott in a Tar Heel uniform and potentially even uh, R.J. Davis if he decides to not u- utilize his uh, super senior season um, and come back for a fifth year. And then, of course, Carolina goes on the road to Duke to close out the regular season. Um, I can't remember the last time Carolina played Duke and NC State in two of the final three regular season games um, in in ACC play. I, I'm, I'm willing to bet it hasn't been in my lifetime. I don't know how much I like it. I know from the ACC standpoint where the belief is that Maybe they're all three competing and playing meaningful games into March for a uh, for seeding in the ACC tournament. But I mean, two rivalry games of that magnitude in a week. Thankfully, there's there's a week to get to 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 play the one, move on, and get ready for the other one. Um, but a difficult three game stretch to close out uh, the ACC slate for Carolina. And so now that we've gone kind of month by month. Go over some thoughts and takeaways. We already mentioned that, you know, they have the three straight ACC road games. They do have three straight ACC home games with that final game in the month of February at home against Miami. Then the two dates with NC State and Notre Dame. One of the first things that I always do when I get the schedule is check the Saturday-Monday turnarounds because they're tricky and they're tough. And Carolina only has two of them this year. But I think the most notable thing about them is they both start on the road. The first one is at Boston College and then home to Wake Forest. That's January 20th and January 22nd. And then the second one is at Virginia and then home to Miami. That's February 24th, February 26th. Those two games feel like right now, as we sit here in September, games that are definitely going to impact the ACC race. And, look, I can't speak for every Saturday, Monday turnaround that every team in the conference has to go through. But for Carolina to have them both starting out on the road, um, I'd like to hope and think that some of the other teams that are expected to compete in this conference are kind of faced with the same thing. I'd like to see him split. Give us one Saturday at home, one Saturday on the road, and then on the you know on the flip side, the the Monday be either a home game or a road game, as opposed to Carolina uh, starting them both away from Chapel Hill. The teams that Carolina plays twice, and this might be where I get into a little bit of a, a rant, if you will. Um, oh boy, Duke, NC State. We know that every single year we're going to play those two teams twice, and rightfully so. Florida State, Clemson, Miami, Syracuse. And look, I'm not going to complain about getting the Florida States, the Clemsons, and the Syracuses twice. Because those are games where I think Carolina could go, you know, five and one, heck, maybe even six and oh. But when you look at the road opponents and the teams that Carolina only plays away from Chapel Hill, you see Virginia's name on that list. And first, I I don't understand from the ACC point of view that rivalry has as much passion as it's had since the 1980s when they were both premier programs going to multiple Final Fours and playing for national championships. We don't like them. They don't like us. And I, I get the intrigue of just sending Carolina there because of the streak, 
But I don't get from the league's perspective, why would you not want those two teams on the same court as much as possible? As especially with as much fire and, and, and fever the rivalry currently has. This isn't the mid two thousands where Virginia was an afterthought program and Carolina was running them out of the gym by the under eight timeout of the first half. Even though Virginia might not be, you know, national title good, they're still NCAA tournament good. And it benefits the conference to put those two brands on the court at this uh, once in Chapel Hill and once in Charlottesville. I don't get how the league can put together a schedule and say, man, you know what really makes our reputation as the league better? Having Carolina play Florida State twice. How many people outside of North Carolina's fans and Florida State fans honestly care that's not a great rivalry there's not a lot of great tradition there There, there's not a lot of passion between those two fan bases there is with virginia like it's clearly there i i just i it 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 baffles me and then we're gonna have to sit there and worst case scenario is the league has another quote-unquote down year and everyone's talking about the reputation. Well, because you're not having your best teams play each other. That's what the Big 12, before they expanded their conference, did well. And now, granted, they they played a, a round-robin schedule where you played everybody at your home gym and you played everybody at your away gym. But it, it, it raised the profile of the conference. If North Carolina and Virginia play twice in the regular season – with the the history and the tradition and just where those programs have been over the last decade, it's going to raise the profile of the conference. The fact that the ACC fails to see that continues to baffle me because it feels like it's been this way the last five, six, seven years or so. Well, I mean, they played twice for how many consecutive years? So I guess this is the thought is that the last two years they've just kind of said, look – we're only going to have each the teams play each other once. Um, I, I mean, because we've seen it a couple of times here within the last few years. I, I just, I mean, yeah, I I, I get it. Uh, to me, like, I don't, I'm not heartbroken over it just because the less times that we have to play them, the better. The easier the schedule can be, the better. Like, I'm not going to want to take off Syracuse or Florida State. Um, and sub them in this year. Same thing with Clemson. Uh, I, I, I mean, you're looking, especially with the non-conference schedule that Carolina plays, um, you know, for you know some breaks in the ACC like we've talked about. Miami, you knew they were going to make Carolina play Miami twice this year. They really do think that Miami is going to be good again this year. Um, and why wouldn't you? So, yeah, of course they're going to make them play them twice. Um, you know, with Clemson, I wouldn't say there's a rivalry there, but, you know, there still is some some angst there, uh, I think, on, on both sides. Uh, you had, you know, speaking of streaks, the streak that Carolina had going, uh, Clemson has still only beat the Tar Heels once at Chapel Hill all time. Um, so, I, I mean, I think, you know, the other thing that it does is if you do that, it's going to open the conversation for Wake Forest as well. That's going to be another conversation that people are going to want to have, especially uh, some of the older fans uh, that value that rivalry with Wake Forest uh, uh, on the same level that the newer fans value the rivalry with Virginia. I mean, look, I think it's it's something that they have to look seriously look at over the next few years, especially because 
let's let's be real honest with ourselves here. Uh, this conference isn't lasting much longer. Um, the report that came out earlier today that Clemson uh, could be looking to leave the conference as soon as next year, um, that, that I, I think, have to make the most of what you've got left of this conference in the coming years. I think the ACC has to take that into account because, I mean, look, we're seeing it you know, on the Pac-12 side of things in football – we're seeing that, hey, this is – they're going out with a bang with their best year in who knows how long. Uh, so, for the ACC, I think, you know, especially with the prestige that this conference has, I mean, you could argue – some people will argue the Big East Conference, the old Big East Conference was the greatest conference in the history of college basketball. Those people would be wrong. The ACC is the greatest conference in the history of college basketball. Why not go out? With, with you know some of the greatest you know matchups year in and year out, and really put out a product that is going to be attractive uh, to everybody around the country. And I think you know playing Virginia, uh, maybe even playing Wake Forest. I know they're not great, but still, uh, with it being a local rivalry that I think has more flavor than, as you mentioned, Florida State, Syracuse. Um, I, I, I do wonder if that's something that the ACC has to take a serious look at moving forward. Yeah, um, I think it's something that as long as I have a microphone and a platform, I'm going to yell and I'm going to complain about um, because it's 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 completely uh, baffling that they don't see the value in those in those types of matchups happening more often than not, as opposed to forcing Carolina to play these these former Big East schools that just recently started caring about basketball uh, because their football programs haven't won to the, the level that they're supposed to. On the flip side, though, I think you got to like the home-only opponents that Carolina gets – very favorable teams that they get at home, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, and Louisville. Um, just on the surface, you know, looking at those rosters, Carolina should go 4-0 in those games. Um, and the fact that you don't got to go to places like, you know, uh, Notre Dame and Virginia Tech road venues that historically have haunted Carolina – I'm not going to complain about. And then on the flip side with the road-only opponents, I mean, I know I yelled about going to Virginia. That's their toughest road-only game. That's the only place that Carolina has to go, and that team doesn't come back and visit Chapel Hill. Georgia Tech, Boston College, and Pittsburgh, winnable games. Carolina should go 3-1 and one, uh, at worst in those games, just given the historical struggles um, up there in Charlottesville. And, you know, I, I know we, we you look at – you look at February, and February is is always tough for Carolina. But you know, you you've got some. You there's there's a way to navigate to where Carolina goes. You know, four you know four and three, five and two in that in that month, which would be a really good month. I don't have every past ACC schedule sitting here in front of me, but we've been doing this podcast for. I think this is going on our our fifth year. I think this is the most uh, navigatable schedule Carolina has had. And, you know, you look at February and you go, man, that's really tough. But it's not as tough as it has been in recent years. And I think you can really see a pathway to this team winning 14 to 15 conference games 
And if you do that, you're going to put yourself in a position to win an ACC regular season title, something you haven't done since you shared it with Virginia back during the 2018-19 campaign. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always so tough. Like on the if if you just look at it right now, I would agree with you. I would say this is probably the easiest schedule that Carolina has, but I think more than any out there and I mean look I don't follow the other sports outside of college football and college basketball um, nearly as closely I mean I'll keep tabs on what Carolina is doing but even that um, you know I, I'm, I'm not a guy that has a ton of time to watch games and everything like that for some of these other programs I think more than any sport though college basketball is affected by the transfer portal because we're sitting here saying that you know Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, uh, Wake Forest, those are all, you know, games that Carolina should be able to win. The problem is you have no idea what these teams will look like. There are so many teams. I told you about uh, so many different teams. Virginia, we have no clue what that team is going to look like. Like on the surface, you know, look, you've got Tony Bennett as your head coach. That alone should probably allow them to be pretty good. But in terms of their roster makeup, we have no clue. It, everything is just a prediction because their roster is pretty much filled out with transfers. You got guys that are coming up from in major conferences. You got guys that are transferring in from other power conference schools. and So, so there's a lot of questions that are on the table. I, I think, you know, I, I like, as you mentioned, I think road-only opponents, uh, I would say, yeah, three and one. I certainly think 4-0 is on the table, as I said, because I just don't know how good Virginia is going to be this season as opposed to other years, considering they're using the portal so heavily. Uh, the home opponents, yeah, they should go 4-0. There's no question in my mind that, that is, those are four wins on the table. Uh, if, they, if this program is where you expect them to be at heading into the season, and then it's really about just finding a way to make it respectable in the games that you have to play twice. To me, I think it's crucial if you're going to be in the ACC title game hunt that you beat Florida State twice, that you beat Clemson twice, and that you beat Syracuse twice. The other ones, I think from there, uh, I, I mean, I don't know what NC State is going to look like. I would love to get both of those games, and maybe that frees it up to where you go one and one in one of the other matchups with Clemson or Syracuse, whatever. Um Maybe that works out, but I really do think, you know, when it comes down to it, Carolina's got to find a way. They they cannot get swept by many of those teams that, that play. I think you can't really get swept in more than two of those matchups uh, that, that Carolina plays or else you could be in a little bit of trouble in terms of competing for the ACC title. Um, but again, it's, it's, it's just, it's so unpredictable at this point because all of these rosters, there's so much roster turnover now that there could be a team. I mean, look, no, heading into last year, I don't think anybody saw NC state being the team that they were going to be. I mean, I picked them to finish either last or second to last in the conference and they end up making the NCAA tournament a year ago. So I, I think we just have to kind of wait and see to get a real feel. Like we will know once we get into conference season where these teams are at based on what they do in the non-conference. Um, but I, I think right now you, you have to feel pretty good that Carolina's got a schedule that sets up for them to not only bounce back and make the tournament, 
but to compete for that ACC title, which is the expectation year in and year out at this university. Yeah, no, I mean, you brought up the 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 the, the most important point. Like for Carolina to put themselves in a position. You can't get swept by teams that that swept you a year ago. You know, you look back, getting swept by Pittsburgh was a big reason why you missed the NC Double A tournament. Um, you know, you you got swept by Duke. You'd like to think at worst you're you're splitting with the Blue Devils. Um, and and so I think you know I think that's going to be one of the messages is Carolina. What what killed them more than anything last year? Yes, we we lamented the quad one. Uh, record wasn't good a year ago, but there were just games that were there to be won that Carolina didn't win in the final four minutes. It's about finishing and it's about making winning plays. And I think you go back to the pod thought of the day and what I I talked about, what Huber Davis's message was at, at the first practice of the year. This team's got to make winning plays from the time the season starts to the time the season comes to an end. Um, and I think if they do that, given the talent, given the the depth, given the experience, uh, this team will put themselves in a position to be playing championship-level uh, basketball uh, come March, which is when it matters the most. Um, and the, the, the thing that, that stinks is we still got to wait for it to get here because, like I mentioned, they open practice on Monday. Uh, they still don't play until – you know, the first full week of November, which is today roughly six, seven weeks uh, away from right now. But uh, with that, guys, that is going to wrap up this edition of the show. Before we let you go, uh, we do encourage you guys to visit the website. That's HeelToughBlog.com, where now the basketball season is basically here. Everything needed to go football and basketball-wise, we'll have you cover Tar Heel football off to a 4-0 start. They're on a bye week this week, but we'll still have you covered on all the news coming out of Mac Brown's program on the basketball side of things. We're going to wait to start doing full preview stuff, but some fun opinionated articles that I've just been waiting for this time of the year to get here. Those will be hitting the website, so make sure you get over there, HeelToughBlog.com. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, most notably we're on Apple and Spotify. Just simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we will pop up. We're there. We do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any additions throughout the remainder of the offseason. And then, of course, once we're back in season mode, previewing and, re- and recapping every game individually. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.